0: Hey friends, we are back to talk about lessons from the Tao Te Ching, lessons in how to surf the Tao. We're so glad you're with us today. We're talking about what we think might be the most important life lesson from the Tao Te Ching at the personal level. There's all sorts of stuff that goes on in this wonderful text, all 81 chapters, about the cosmos, about nature, about politics and the society. But if you want to get your life in order, if you want to face your fears, if you want to overcome the fear of death, today is the show for you. Friends, friends, this is everything. This is about coming to terms with the truth, facing reality, and letting the truth, as old Jesus said, set you free. Thanks for being with us. Let's go. time by to dive. Diving stations.
1: Dive. Dive. Welcome, friends, to the Protect Your Noggin podcast. We offer lessons about outfoxing religious wolves, and sometimes we will address emotionally difficult subjects, so make sure you pay careful attention to our descriptions of each of the episodes, and then also have some resources handy, such as the Crisis Text Line. That's one of our favorites, which is 741 741 that's seven four one seven four one. Now, just take a deep breath, because we're not afraid to go deep. But don't worry, because we'll also have some fun along the way. Our plan is to help us all resurface with insights and tools to help heal ourselves and our communities. So come along, because we got this. Three,
2: zero, three. Three, zero, three. All
1: ahead full.
0: Stacy, I love this new sweater. I got you. It is a dangerous, it is a dangerous uh, thing. The Instagram ads. And I say dangerous not in the way that other ads are dangerous. I think the most societally dangerous ads are on Facebook. And those can really lead you down a
1: dark path. Yes. But and, what, and what does it say? Because I can't read it for sure. I know what the idea of it.
0: It says, Someday... We'll all be dead. But it's beautiful. Maybe I'll try to put There's a picture of it up on the, uh, on the show notes. Butterflies
1: and flowers mm-hmm. and a rainbow. It's a
0: delightful image. It's, it, it, it warms my heart. But it says, <laughs> literally, someday we'll all be dead. And, of course, this is because, uh, well, I got it for you.
1: Yes, because of be- uh, my death do the work. And yeah. it's just something that I believe strongly about. And facing that reality mm-hmm. is what will help us to live a more fulfilling life. Um, and, and a peace, more peaceful life. It's It's part of that whole um idea if you if you can come to terms with your ultimate death because we all have an expiration date we just don't know exactly when that's going to be um it will help us to i don't know be more intentional about the life that we're living and and then you know make decisions towards you know what are our goals you know that kind of thing so yes that reminder i find very helpful uh it's kind of like one of those things where if somebody's paying attention i do want to cause people to sort of stop and, and think for a second.
0: Yeah, because people would say, how could you confront that reality that I'm trying to hide from?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: and yet find joy and smiliness and butterflies. But, but I, I wanted to say, this is one of the few wins from the Instagram Things I've bought, mm. I've purchased. Uh, so let me just go through briefly the history of the stupid things I've bought on Instagram. I am a sucker for that stuff. I mean, there are some great gadgets. Like,
1: those are like let's take your like the infomercials, you know. what so I'm
0: saying this is like the the analog for my generation and younger uh, to what some of the older folks do when they're they're buying the the stuff at the late night TV shows or right. you know in between you know n- you know the news stuff at at one in the morning. But the first thing I bought. I was so excited about it. It was a, a sandal that made me feel like I didn't have any shoes. shoes. You know, it's like um, kind of like that barefoot. I, I, I in high school,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I was such a hippie. Even then I, uh, you know, I was a Republican, <laughs> I guess. <Yeah. laughs> um, but I, Orange County kid. But I would walk to school with a guitar, a coffee cup that I would fill up in the teacher's lounge. No shoes. And a, a, well. a hat, a, a, <laughs> it a was ratty a, a leather.
1: Hat. It was a leather hat that was flimsy, right? Well, that it, was,
0: it was floppy was from Ensenado.
1: Yes, yes. That's what I meant. And <laughs> this brown leather hat and then the poncho, right? That and,
0: and sometimes I'd wear a poncho if it was cold. And I would just sit out and play the blues with uh, some friends. In and the, some in sort the of jean
1: shorts, kind of like. Lingerie. Yeah, I'm wearing
0: jean shorts against all people's recommendation. And I love them. Uh, but anyway, but I would, I would. I would skip exactly sixteen classes per semester because the state of California allowed that.
1: Many absences without any questions? I'd just
0: walk in and and you know get a decent grade on the test and then ignore, you know. Well, I mean I'd read it all. And you've and said
1: before you usually miss the first at least a couple of days of school because you would be at the beach and then realize, wait a minute. That would
0: often happen. I'd be <laughs> down there like and I'm like, you're sitting on the waves, you're you're on the swells, you're like, Man, no one's surfing today. What's going on? <laughs> it's great weather. <laughs> and then there's no people. I'm like, oh, I bet everybody's at school, you know? <laughs> I mean, the check. first week, I just kind of was in my own zone. And then the second week, I realized, now that's the problem, because then that takes out 10 days.
1: Well, you but probably if, wouldn't miss two whole weeks. You'd miss the first
0: week. Maybe right? the first week and a half. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, eight, eight, eight days in. That gives me another eight vacation days in the school year. And, <laughs> I love it uh, that
1: also, those, the, the absent days are are basically your vacation, your built-in vacation yeah, days. Yeah, I would, I would
0: count on them. I would count on them. And my our 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 child Aiden refuses to miss even one day i say pal, let's go to no let's go to Yosemite
1: now to be fair uh the classes that usually Aiden is in i mean it would be you know he'd, he'd be very behind after Aiden
0: know, would be fine if he just uh, didn't care
1: uh, yeah, I know he's fine, but i mean you know he'd get he look but his classes are c's, pretty they're c's pretty they're pretty heavy duty classes right <laughs> they're pretty heavy, heavy duty classes and and also aiden's not looking for cs
0: Aiden well i didn't get cs but i mean i Aiden was going for the research try- one. Aiden Aiden was going for the UC system, and I was always planning on going to a private liberal arts college. So I knew I was going to get in with a 2.7, and I got a 3.8. So I'm fine. But you know, it's like, but but also, yeah, I wasn't in the AP classes that he was in because no. I didn't. I started that way, but I guess it's fair to say honors history. <laughs> I love the class, but you know, th- they didn't like it so much that, <laughs> that well, it was, I rolled in. And
1: it was funny because I remember. Um, that, yeah, so you're, you're like, you would get like C's and D's until like, and that was obviously when you weren't trying and then you can get an A plus, no problem, almost a hundred percent in a class that you actually yeah. thought it was interesting. And <laughs> just
0: pull <the> together.
1: <laughs> and then there was a, a certain point when your GPA mattered one, so you can get your uh, permit so that you can do acting. And so all of a sudden you paid attention well, to school about, a little bit.
0: You're talking about middle school. Yeah, yeah, so in high school, I was doing fine because I, I by, by the time, um, by the time I got to that point, I knew that I planned at some point to go to grad school. So I knew I had to, I had to start, to try, start yeah. getting into the zone anyway. Yeah. So We'd I used to have no mix. shoes. And, and my favorite thing in the world is not to wear shoes. But the world gets a little dirty, and there's some, you know some well, dangerous and, things it, and so these shoes that i got
1: they were handy this summer like to jump into a river or yeah, whatever they're basically and, like
0: water shoes the only problem is they're wonderful they weren't worth 65 dollars no, That's really i waited four weeks thin, from china rubber, and then i get them and, and it sounded so cool and the ads were cool and the hipsters that were doing this little drop shipment business were cool but it was just a piece of it's just a piece i love them I love them eight dollars style. Mm-hmm. I don't love them eight six five. All right, so that was that was loss number one, and I won't tell all of them actually because I've I've gone on too long. But the latest I'll say that was the first one, and then the latest one before your wonderful sweater, which was a win, was the Chucky <laughs> costume that we got for Bendy. Yes. Well, it's a great costume because if you put it on the, the Bendy. Bindi can run, and it looks like she's coming at you like a like a murderous Chucky doll.
1: Yeah, and if you ever want to see what it looks like, you can go back to our Dow Surfers Instagram and scroll through, and you'll see hey, a, few, hey, a few of them back. Hey, kids,
0: listen. <laughs> I, I understand. Listen, here's the thing: we're a little edgy sometimes. So if you're no, you're you're from certain communities, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe you're a very conservative church person, or maybe you know you're friends with some of my enemies, and and uh, an enemy friends is just somebody that you love that wishes. To thwart your mission, <laughs> so I love everybody, but uh, you know, I find that sometimes people have a hard time politically liking Protect Your Noggin. You see, I because we know, like behind the scenes, we get we get lots of good uh, feedback and folks talk to us, but we don't get a lot of people talking to us publicly, mm-hmm. and this is not uh, unexpected from us because a lot of a lot of the people we're talking to are kind of teasing out ways of setting themselves free from systems that don't want them to. So, by talking to us, people will then smack them down and say, don't, don't do this, you know. But, but, um, but please, friends, if, 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 you don't have to give us money right now. I don't need money. Like, Nice. Please, you know, feel free to uh, become a patron. We'll get you, you know, stuff behind the scenes a little faster, but most importantly, you'll be able to help us continue to do this thing we love and this thing that helps uh, a lot of people. Uh, that are in sometimes tough spots in life and in situations, but I'm asking you, friends, we are we are getting more emails a week than people that will will subscribe on YouTube or Twitter. <laughs> yeah. um, our Twitter is Protect Your Noggin, um, the P Y N P, and our and you can go to our website ProtectYourNoggin.org, and then just click on all those little icons at the bottom. I'd really like to get more people following us on. Our Instagram, where we have a lot of fun. The Instagram is at Dow Surfers with a T, at T A O Surfers, Dow Surfers, and uh, maybe Facebook. I keep threatening to never think about Facebook, but it's been helpful. Mm-hmm, you know, you get a lot mm-hmm. of. I mean, I have got like eighteen hundred people and on my that's personal protection set. Protect your
1: noggin. Protect on your Facebook.
0: noggin. Yeah. So why don't we do protect your noggin on Dow service? Because Service, it's aesthetic, man. Yeah. Protect your noggin. We're out, out fox and wolves, but you know, part of that is on the other side the joy of the to Jing, which mm-hmm. we're talking about now. That takes us back to your sweater. So after, oh, and I like the I like the costume. Mm-hmm. But it's way too small. They advertised it, you know, like this was small. This was for a doll.
1: Well, and so it worked quite well on my sister's chihuahua. So that's about the chihuahua mix, but that's about the size that was actually appropriate. Bendy was too big for it. So it's kind of like who wore it better? Definitely. Definitely
0: the chihuahua. Definitely
1: thought he pulled it off. Okay,
0: but you know who wears wears the best of anything is you, baby, in this wonderful sweater. And it makes me so happy. We'll all be dead
1: someday. Well, thank you for my 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 beautiful gift. It's keeping me warm on this. Yeah,
0: now that it's a little rainy. Yeah, rainy what day. on earth does that have to do with our lesson in surfing the Tao today?
1: Well, today we're talking about facing reality. And so, as I had mentioned a little bit already, you know, with obviously, ultimately, we all, you know, one day will die. But I want to start with another aspect of facing reality. And I'm going to start with reading chapter uh, 71 of the Tao Te Ching. And then we'll go from there, okay? Please. Knowing when you don't know is the height of sanity. Ignoring what you do know is the depth of unhealthy thinking. Only when you recognize that your unhealthy thinking is unhealthy can your mind finally enjoy health. The sage acknowledges unhealthy thinking as unhealthy. Therefore, she keeps her wits about her.
0: That's where we get that line. You know, we often will put on our social media stuff. Keep your wits about you.
1: Yes, yes,
0: because that's important, and that's something that that we've noticed even this week. This is wild. I had one of the best encounters with students, mm. and it was the first time I had somebody just come with a list of questions. She had listened to last oh, your your lecture, the yeah, lecture. The, uh,
1: the think what and you she was a little
0: nervous. Think. Mm-hmm. Telling me that she was disagreeing, mm-hmm. good kid, conservative background, and she called her mom. She said, "I, I want to
1: yeah, you had talk a, to like this a few guy. hour discussion. It was, it was like, so great. It was a few hours.
0: I asked her if she'd be on the podcast to challenge me. <laughs> we we got along really great, but I mean, but but it was helpful to see what she was hearing, and and that is this idea from from my Trembeth lecture that I get from the tradition of of uh, William of Ockham: think what you think you should think. Mm-hmm and feel what you feel you feel, is surprisingly, while it seems something that should be obvious to all of us, gets the hackles up of professors and students alike. They think, no, of course not. Of course I shouldn't think what I think I should think. And I say, right. but who, then what should you do? Should you think what somebody else thinks you should think? Right. Should you feel what somebody else feels you should feel?
1: And, and that, really is, that really is key right there. It, we've so often have been taught not to trust ourselves. And that... Because you don't trust yourself, then you do look to other authorities. Now, yeah, we don't. We don't. We're not saying that you shouldn't ever, you know, take good advice or look for for wisdom. No, you right? should
0: definitely get second opinions on your own nonsense.
1: You know, but it, I, I feel like sometimes we go through life almost sometimes how we might be even more inclined. To vote, even? <laughs> like, just tell me tell me the yeses and nos on the propositions. Yes. And tell me... Somebody else has done more research. Yeah. Let me know about, you know, the, the school district or, you know, the mayor, yeah. the local stuff. We know the big stuff, usually. Which,
0: which I do because I find somebody that I trust that looks into it. And I know that I value what they value. And that'll help me. Because sometimes...
1: It gives you a jumping off point. But you know, it shouldn't be the end all. No.
0: But, I mean, one thing about the propositions, now that that's over. <laughs> one of the things about those, it's sometimes... It looks like it's
1: oh, I know. for somebody.
0: So I couldn't tell. Is this thing pro or against people with dialysis on dialysis? Is this right. for or against the Uber driver? Is this for, you know? Right. And it's like,
2: is and it, f-
1: and it seems deceiving, you know, because most yeah. people, the, the Uber one, no matter how you voted, the Uber driver themselves seems to, the advantage is actually to say no on, on that for the Uber driver. But the way it's worded, you would think, oh, I want to help the Uber drivers, so right. I'm going to vote yes.
0: And there might have been some Uber drivers that were on the app. But the point is, you just, so you But you, need, wanna, you, yeah. you
1: think you have a goal in mind, and you realize your vote is actually casting the exact opposite. And that's what's, what's really frustrating yeah. with, you know, some yeah, of the yeah, wording, yeah, they right? trick you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but this is the key. So what do I do in that situation? I ask friends of mine who are Uber drivers yeah. what they would like mm-hmm. and I care about them. So I want to know. So what am I doing? I am not just thinking whatever I want. Right. I'm thinking what I think I should think. And I think I should think what's true. Right. <laughs> and I have to find out what's true. And how do I get that from authorities in that area? So I am not well, saying other- that we don't listen to authorities. Right. I'm saying that we don't make them authorities over our own agency. They right. don't control our decision-making but they might be authorities on that subject. I don't just eat whatever I want. I wait for a doctor to tell me what's healthy. Yeah. But the doctor isn't my boss. The doctor is my helper.
1: Yes, as well. And one other thing too is another clue to kind of, you know, being able to weed through all of this or whatever is is to look at advertisements and who's paying for the advertisements. Follow so, the money, kids. <laughs> yes, that helps to kind of give you a jumping off point of where, you know, what you're looking at is, you know, is what is Uber paying for? Yeah. but it know?
0: usually is some organization called, you know, Americans for a Free Society. You're like, well, I'd, I'd like a free <laughs> society. I <don't laughs> exactly, know. <laughs> I know that. It can be
1: tricky, but you can also do a quick little research yeah, on that and find from. out, you know, find out a little bit more. But, so that really is really the first point. Knowing when you don't know is the height of sanity. So recognizing, yeah, I do. Yeah do need to become informed. I do need to look to people that are wiser or more knowledgeable in this area, or perhaps, perhaps will, this will affect them directly kind of thing. Educating ourselves is huge, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and being able to recognize and, you know, even just beyond voting, obviously in our life in general, you know, I don't know the answer and it's okay when we don't know to say, I don't know, especially yeah. those of you that are in positions of leadership or yeah. that are teachers or, you know, Sunday school educators or pastors or whatever, anytime you don't know the answer, the best mm-hmm. thing is to say, I don't know, let's look at, look into it together.
0: Yeah, and of you course, uh, reputedly, the, the, the wisest of all, you know, humans, uh, at least at the time, according to the oracle at Delphi, uh, this is the Athenian. Socrates. Yeah. Socrates uh, got this prophecy. Uh, the uh, classical Greek guy got this prophecy that he was the wisest in the land. Mm. And he said, but that can't be because I don't know a lot. <laughs> so he went around trying to disprove this. He was, he was saying, like, how could it be that the God told me that I am the wisest in the land? And he ultimately concluded, the only reason I'm the wisest is because I realize that I don't know. And there's a bunch of other people that are dogmatists. They think they know all this stuff, and they're going off track. And the great thing about Socrates is he was compared to two different types of animals. One, the gadfly, and the second, the torpedo fish. Now, the gadfly is going to stir up a horse to run, because a horse, when it's covered with flies, might run and then shake the flies off get get past the flies Mm -hmm. and so what the philosopher does the the sage in the socrates context is to goad you to provoke you to wake up and come to your senses the other thing that he did was that he stunned people the torpedo fish uh, had electrical uh, little nodes on its head and it could zap little other fish and then it would eat the fish would stun it would stun them and the the reason socrates was compared to this stun fish this fish that could stun you is that sometimes we're running off a cliff and we're we're headlong into disaster and so the sage can trip you up for your own good to show you where you might be mistaken so that you don't get into more trouble than you should mm-hmm. you know and so this is another kind of Socrates, Lao Tzu, on the other side of the world, really. Mm. you know, mm-hmm. Maybe not the other side of the world. Other side of the world from us, but he's in China. And, um, and he's saying the same thing. Knowing when you don't know, that's when you're sane. That's when you're not going nutty.
1: Right. And then it's really important, the second piece, ignoring what you do know is the depth of unhealthy thinking. So ignoring what you do know... That basically is suppressing the truth.
0: We could stop here, friends, but we're not going to, (laughs) because we're just giving you this wonderful content for just the joy of it. But listen.
1: That's been one of our biggest life lessons. That's the biggest life
0: lesson. And this is the biggest thing I have. This year is my first year. I've moved over from philosophy and religion, although I've always been teaching the same basic thing, the history of ideas. But I've moved from a direct um, set of classes that deals with core philosophy and like Socrates was something I would have taught for the first, you know, eight years here at Concordia. Now, I'm still talking about the same cats, but in their historical context. But in in some ways, I kind of felt like, at least for my own journey, I had figured out the big question that I started with. What I studied was the history of epistemology in the early modern period and the late Middle Ages. I mean, that's really a lot. It's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. But what did I study at Oxford? can't put i wish i could put it into one term mm-hmm. you know like botany mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. i studied the history of ideas specifically in the late middle ages up until the early modern period so like you know from occam to descartes mm-hmm. and uh, and and in that the big question is how do we know what we know this is the subdiscipline of philosophy
1: epistemology
0: epistemology how do we know what we know the theory of knowledge And the philosophers have spent a lot of time and spilled a lot of ink and and, uh, sleepless nights trying to figure all this out. And I know that there are very important philosophical questions. But at the personal level, at the level of society, in terms of how knowledge can help us to accomplish things, what I have come to realize is that it's much simpler than I ever expected. (laughs) It's not that it's hard to find the truth it's hard to face the truth. Yes. It's more of a matter of courage and ethical regard mm-hmm. than it is about the complexity of it. Now, there's things that are fun and mysterious we try to figure out, but I'm talking about if we want to understand what's going on in a relationship,
2: mm-hmm.
0: if we want to understand what's going on in politics, if we want to understand whether the earth is old or young, whether the earth is, is, uh, is, is heating up or not, We can't, this is what I was saying in my lecture, we can't figure this out until we have the the space to feel free to be able to stare at the truth that might be haunting us. You know, a lot of conservatives don't like this idea that there's global, like global warming's happening, that Mm -hmm. the world is heating up. The world, scientists say, is obviously heating up. So what's the problem? Part of it is, it doesn't suit the things that we're doing. Okay? That's part of it. And... May I just go what, on a riff on this?
1: Was it Aiden saying that the last intact ice cap or something like that just mm-hmm. broke away recently?
0: Yeah. So we've got like so. What, why is it? Why why do people get angry? This is this to me is just obviously true.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's obviously true that we have ecological degradation. We've seen it as we've traveled South America and into Asia and wherever we've been. We're seeing the effects of these things, and we're seeing it even in our own lifetimes. And people refuse to see it. Mm-hmm. For two reasons. One, because it doesn't, again, it doesn't help their cause. If you're in an industry that is hurting the environment, but that's how you make your money, yeah. you don't want to admit it. right? And secondly, if the scientists are right, we are dangerously close to self-destruction. And we, as a human species, have a tendency to not want to face that reality. So here's the same point. Right. If you don't face that mortality, you're actually going to die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. And
0: I mean me, or your grandchildren. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and the other thing that it's I mean, basically we kind of said it, we this is sort of what we're seeing is the, the unforgivable sin, really, is that denial of truth in yeah. our in our own lives or, you know, whatever it is that we can't admit, if we know better about something. Now, you know, obviously if we don't know, then then fine. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, and again, admitting that you don't know, that's high to sanity. Right. But the stuff that we do know that we just suppress, that it, maybe it's too difficult to face that reality, mm-hmm. that, 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 and that we allow certain things to keep continuing just because we aren't going to face that truth, mm. uh, <clears throat> that's, where, that's where we remain unsettled. That's why, that's when we don't, we can't have peace when we're suppressing truth.
0: Now, this is a show primarily aimed at helping you find joy and peace in your life and to really live. Because the point of life, friends.
1: Is life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So because of this, that's the main thing. But I also want to say that the larger scope and purpose of this show is to help protect ourselves and others from manipulation and abuse. And this is the deal.
1: The denial of any denial. abuse going on. The denial of you know something that is unhealthy in your life and that you continue to allow it to exist or be.
0: Go Google, go Google image, Justin Bieber's pastor, and you'll find a quote unquote pastor. This is the Hillsong guy with no shirt on and his pants weighed down. I mean, he looks as, as, uh, as sleazy as can be. And he just looks like he's up to no good. And lo and behold, he was fired for being sleazy. Mm. Oh, by okay. the way, Justin
1: yeah. Bieber.
2: Yeah, I heard him. I like Justin Bieber.
1: Well, his latest album—it's it, really, really powerful. It's really good. I heard. Really, well, listen I to heard, it tonight. I heard one of his newest songs on on Saturday Night Live. That he
0: he was he basically chastened, yeah. sobered, and I mean, he, I, he, what, what else are you going to do? He's a kid still. Yeah. Okay, but listen, but listen. So so. Same thing with Ravi Zacharias. There are still people in the evangelical Christian kind of um, you know celebrity world mm-hmm. that refuse to even countenance any of these concerns. I'm going to give you one example. It's so funny, and this is also an example of somebody who maybe uh, maybe doesn't want to to be associated with us. I keep saying great things about the insights. Of jordan cooper mm. jordan cooper he 's got a podcast and he does stuff. it 's a justin sinner okay and um, and uh and the 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 differences we have are just basically he 's you know probably a little bit more of a conservative Lutheran than I am on certain issues um, he doesn 't drink and cuss and we invited him and some other folks over to our house a while back and and i uh, i, I didn 't realize that he was more straight edge and so I feel bad. We had a da- we were watching Daniel Tosh, mm-hmm. and he was making yeah, abortion yeah, yeah. jokes. We've, yeah, we've mentioned
1: this. On have the podcast? we mentioned this on the yes, podcast? We have, definitely. So here's
0: the same guy, right? And over and over, this guy is impressing me. And why? Because even when we don't see it eye to eye, he's one of the few people I see out there on the social media, these pastors and stuff, who is calling it just perfectly as he sees it. Right. Now he's got that integrity, right? Like he says, he says, "Oh, I don't like this fact, but it seems that you have no choice but to accept the evidence that Ravi Zacharias was up to no good." Right? There was academic fraud. This is this famous. If you don't know what we're talking about, friends, this is a famous apologist for the Christian faith, and he was in. Uh, he had academic fraud. He said that he went. To Oxford, but he just went like he was yeah, just hanging out at so a... so
1: much of his whole uh resume or whatever all of it was so it's all made academic
0: out. fraud, but then also inappropriate online behavior yes. with somebody in his in his uh church world and then even worse, he owned these these uh massage parlors but guess what there are a lot of people that either came to Christian faith and they, they, they found hope and meaning in their lives because of his teachings, they um they were able to feel that they weren't stupid for being believers or something. And so they had so much of their lives caught up in this that that it is obvious that what's going on is they're refusing to see what is plain as the nose on their face because of all the other baggage and all of the fear that bubbles up to the surface if they were to countenance that evidence.
1: Right. So
0: this is the deal, friends.
1: And again, there are some people that in dark ways can still harness some good, you know, some of the the good that is out there from some of the the teachings and things like that. People's lives can be changed for the good.
0: We said this about Bikram yoga.
1: But they just do so much harm to the cause for those that they... Yeah, in the
0: long run. That they
1: mess up, those those lives that they tragically ruin. I want to make this last point, that when we can recognize that our unhealthy thinking is unhealthy, that's how we're starting to start marching up that road towards yeah. health and that's yeah. how the sage keeps her wits about her.
0: and epistemology because this is what i told the young young woman who is my student that that we were chatting last night or the other night it's that i'm not saying that you should trust yourself mm-hmm. i'm saying that you should focus on your own agency and not give your agency to somebody else because you have a bunch of mess in your life and it's called sin in the christian language and uh in modern psychological language it's cognitive biases so you have all these cognitive biases that are Disabling your your knowing mechanism, Mm -hmm. but But, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do to to fix it? What is it saying here? You just recognize those cognitive biases, and that's how you're going to get back on track.
1: Exactly. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in some in the future chapters here that we're going to discuss. Cool. So, and I think what's you know being said here for sure though is that we have a tendency sometimes to double down when we've been wrong about something, and the the path and the road. Forward is to stop doubling down and instead it's that repentance. It's the, oh, I see, and I'm not going to turn away from it. Right. I'm now marching down this new road. It's okay that we are wrong sometimes, and it's okay that we've been wrong in the past. Yeah. The uh, sunk cost fallacy, though, (laughs) is what keeps us, unfortunately, in, in bad. Situations and hurting causes that could otherwise, you know, start to, you know, help mend and actually be what they were and then the healthy thing that they could have been, you know. I, anyway, so there is hope.
0: Yeah. And oh, it yeah. just
1: takes that turning it, away, yeah. that stepping forward. And that can be done no matter what stage in life you're in. And that's part of the death duel stuff. Sometimes people do it right at the very end of their yeah. lives, but there's so much healing. So it's never too late. That's one thing I want to say. It's never, ever, ever too late.
0: With respect to the history of religion, I want to make a point about this because this is totally true. Not only is it never too late, the joy that comes,
2: yes. once you
0: get over that initial fear, once you get over that, then all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm living for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. A lot of you, you know, do you feel, friends, do you feel like life's just been like just kind of blasting past you? And you feel like, oh no, pretty soon I'm going to die and as, what was it all for? And I'm, and I'm worried and, and I don't feel like do you know, like, life slowed down for us once we, once we learned about the Tao. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I, I'm like, if I... Well, and largely, too, because you're not just sitting... We're not just sitting there distracting ourselves from the fact that each morning we yes. wake up, we're getting one more closer step to our death. It doesn't matter. It's, it's about yeah. living that day to its fullest and today. enjoying that moment.
0: If you're going to die next Thursday... You have an infinite number of points between now and then. Half of that time can be halved, as Zeno's paradox showed <laughs> us. There's an infinity between now and next Thursday of joy and happiness and possibility and interesting things you can learn and love that you can share. And maybe it's not really infinite in, the, in, the, in this temporal sense. Mm-hmm. But, but, but we spent so much of our lives self-medicating and ignoring and reality.
1: still do, to be honest, yeah, well, when, it, when yes. we get into the thick of no, things. No, but I mean,
0: I mean, I mean, like, there's this, like, chunk of our lives mm-hmm. where we're workaholic, oh, alcoholic, definitely. whatever, yeah. I mean, you know, not, not alcoholic, but I'm saying, like, drinking too much, working too much, just TV, whatever it was, just numbing Escapism. ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's that's one thing. But I, I want to say, but the alternative is madness. And the and, and great example. In 1844... There was a Baptist preacher named William Miller, and he had a prophecy, and this happens quite often in the goofy world of religion, um, that Jesus was going to return in 1844. And this is known as the Great Disappointment. Mm. And do you know what happened after the Great Disappointment? What? They started a new denomination based (laughs) on his teachings.
2: Mm.
0: You know, I mean... When you mm-hmm. talk about doubling down, mm-hmm. then what happens is people have so much invested that, they're, that they try to find a way to explain it. They create a conspiracy theory, they create some other alternative way of understanding it. And one of the ways they described it uh, in their own times, this is how the, the Seventh-day Adventists come to be, is that this prediction that he was supposed to come on October 22nd in 1844 – wasn't his final return, but the beginning of the end of the return, it was like, this is the um, heavenly sanctuary that's leading up to the second coming. Well, Harold Camping did this. Mm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just keeps yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, at some point, it goes away. I think Harold Camping's done. <laughs> but, I mean, Harold what, Camping what, yeah. said 1994, and then he did it again. That's how he met uh, Zeke strip. Anyway. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of times when people just eventually just lose all credibility that they just, they do, they go to, you know, they go away.
0: Eventually, yeah. yeah. But it's sometimes frustrating how long it takes. Oh, yes. What other chapters do we yeah, have here? Yeah,
1: chapters chapter 62, and I think that this chapter can can go over pretty quickly, uh, but I'll, I'll read it. It's not the shortest of chapters. The Tao is the mystery behind the myriad living things. It's a treasure for the virtuous. It's a hospital for the bad. Granted, persuasive words can help you get ahead in life, and an honorable life can help you rise above others. But are you so sure that you want to leave the bad guys behind? Therefore, when a president is inaugurated and his cabinet is appointed, none of the fanfare, ceremony, or stately gifts can compare to the splendor of being inaugurated into the Tao. Why did the ancient Tao surfers consider this Tao to be so precious? Was it not because those who seek it will find it? And that even those who discern guilt in themselves by its light can do so compassionately without judgment. This is why it's the most valuable thing in the world.
0: Oh, I love that one. And I feel pretty good about how he rolled with that (laughs) one. The part that to me is is the most powerful is that first stanza.
1: The hospital for the bad.
0: Yeah. What does that mean, do you think?
1: Well, basically when, you know, I know from reading... And being just entrenched in all of these various chapters, certain things just come to light. You start to see things in a different way. And it's it has so much there to offer for living a better life and having better relationships. Facing and, the truth. Yeah. yeah. and And so that hospital for the bad, it's a place where you can come, recognize the error of... Some of your ways, and then again, turn away from that and start life moving forward with a different you know with a different perspective with a different different goals or you know and just knowing obviously what wasn 't healthy yeah. and being able to walk away from that. I think that I and mean, that 's the value when when church is doing its job right it 's a hospital for all of us, usually though we think we have to. You know, make ourselves look all better before we walk into a church so that we can, you know, be a part of the church and make sure that it looks like we have, you know, live our life a certain way. And, but the whole point with, with even when you, you know, if your church is doing its job right is that you come as you are and then you, you are able to then see the light, you know, and
0: yeah, and we're, and we're coming at this as people who grew up in a Christian context, but this works for anybody. And what's the key thing, though? And this is, and this is why, partly provocatively, I said in the Trembeth lecture that the only real freedom of inquiry could be at a Christian university. If you heard that lecture and you heard me say that, but you didn't hear the question and answer part, let me tell you now that I'm not saying that only Christians can learn things and not only colleges that call themselves Christians are free, because most of the time Christian colleges and universities are not free. What well, what I was saying is that only in that context of unconditional love can we look at ourselves without fear. Right. Or anything else. So, it's, it's the, the, the good news of forgiveness and love, unconditional love for myself, allows me to admit when I am hurting myself. Or others. Or others, or when I'm being self-destructive, or when I'm just deluded. Mm-hmm. Is it, but if you don't have unconditional love, then you're always lying to yourself and others.
1: Right. And, and it's it, that then it just perpetuates the problem
0: you might say, friends who i don't have any love, i don't believe in God, maybe, like fine, we love you, <laughs> start there, mm-hmm. I bet somebody else does too i bet you've I bet you got a cat <laughs> that loves you I mean, <laughs> no, but I'm saying even when you think no, i've been unloved, of course you have this is a world that has has been so out of whack mm-hmm. out of uh Fear because it didn't understand unconditional love, but I'm telling you, I don't know you maybe, but we love you because you and we are one. Mm
2: -hmm. We
0: are one family. We are one humanity. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that there are other people that have seen this Tao and know this truth. Yes, you are my brother, my sister. You are whatever you want to call yourself. You are ours. You are our family. And when you know that, then when we sit down and have a disagreement about politics or economics or how we should fix the light bulb, we can do it in a way that leads to understanding and success.
1: Just like that three-hour discussion you had with a student, right? Yeah, it was Just, a wonderful, it was you, it helped me to had, learn something. Had, yeah, you had different, you saw things differently, but being able to talk things through in a space of respect and unconditional love in that in that moment allows you both to be honest with each other
0: and it helped me to know areas where i want to make sure even for the show today i want to clarify Mm -hmm. in such a way that it's not misleading so what's the truth here the truth is going to be something we get to as we dialogue but if i'm afraid and you're afraid we're just stuck yes but if i'm not afraid and you're not afraid we will figure this out
1: right and it's in that environment that when it says here in the chapter Sorry, it's in that environment when Lao Tzu is saying here in this chapter uh, that those who discern guilt in themselves by its light, meaning the Tao's light, can do so compassionately without judgment. We
0: mm-hmm. wee. Oui, oui.
1: And that's how that's where the healing starts. Mm. And that's why and that's where that's why it says it's the most valuable thing in the world.
0: Yeah. Because so, how many of us ever get that opportunity? You know, so rare. It's not naturally handed to us. That's right. the problem. You, you can achieve it. You can achieve it tomorrow, friends. Right. This afternoon, wherever you
1: are. So, is that easy? No. And that brings us to the next point, chapter 70. It says, my teachings are simple and effortless to practice, yet nobody seems to understand what I'm saying, much less how to pull it off.
0: Oh, I love that line so much. Cause that's the thing. It's, it's, it's paradoxical. Yeah. The truth I'm saying, it's like just a matter of just looking at it. And then at the, on the other hand, it's deeply mysterious. It, it just depends on kind of what you're, what you're asking. The truth mm-hmm. is unfathomable. The Tao is so deep. It's beyond sight. Mm-hmm. It's either so small, it's quantum. It's either so big, it's infinite, but, but simple is what even like, the early christians thought and what plato thought god was god was simple one unity and doubt the Tao Te jing has something similar there's another chapter where it just it's just one two three and the chinese is like one line two mm-hmm. lines and three lines mm-hmm. right pretty nice there's the unity the unity divides the unity turns into this uh almost if you've ever seen um the the dao is this uh you know the the Tai Chi symbol, the black and the white. But there's also a third one that's black, white, and gray. And that's from one of these chapters where the differentiation happens and then it spreads out into the 10,000 things. Mm -hmm. So what is God? What is the unity? It's the Tao is simple. It's the one. And so the the truth is one. The truth is simple. And following it is effortless to practice. But nobody knows. (laughs) Like, it sounds...
1: Well, and effortless because, okay... I really appreciated sort of overhearing a conversation you had with a, a student who is looking into the Dao as part of uh, his paper. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that him, you know, he was doing some research on Wu Wei. And, the, and the idea, what he, what he was saying is, is that he realized that like basically kind of even with, you know, he gave the example of you've got, say, your car and you have a limited amount of gas in your car and you have a lot of errands To do, yeah, and if you you really want to look and do the most important errand first, because that will get for sure done, yep, and then you can keep driving around taking care of the smaller, less important things, and and that what before you run out of gas, right? So that when you do run out of gas and you didn't get everything done then you can rest easily or more easily that the bigger, the more important thing actually did happen. And, and I think that's, you know, part of it is, is that going with the Tao, it's, you mentioned effortless, like it's sort of that, that passive flowing along with things. Right. But then part of, part of that, is even just looking at what it is that we do need to accomplish. And that really is the biggest thing. We sometimes overlook the biggest thing that we need to accomplish mm-hmm. and instead take care of all of the other little things. And then we never get the the big one taken care of. And we, we are left unsettled. We, you know, we're left, you know, and we can't sleep at night, you know, because mm-hmm. we didn't really tackle the thing that we really needed to do that. We just sort of maybe pushed it aside. Yeah, And, one of the things he also mentioned was that in the Great Depression, there was, you know, money was used for two different things food and entertainment. Entertainment, uh, but it was for escapism. Yeah. And so much of what we do spend money on often, we think it's sort of our break, but it is escapism and it yeah. doesn't really help us achieve, you know, what we really probably want in life. We just sort of wake up from whatever you know, whatever we escaped from and still yeah. feel that nagging feeling. And now it's just worse because you lost a few more hours to, to yeah. handle it, yeah. you know? Yeah. But anyway, I want to keep continuing with this chapter when it says, My words are rooted in ancient wisdom. My actions flow with the creative principle of the cosmos. But since most are unaware of all of this, they can't understand what I'm saying. Indeed, only a few can catch my drift. This is why I'm valuable. It's why sages might not look like much, but carry within themselves the greatest of treasures. Mm-hmm. I think it's also another reminder, though, of looking to the people that, you know, you, you do admire how they've... How they're living their life or they, you know, that kind of thing. And sort of what is, you know, what are they, what is they what are they doing? Can we mimic some of these things? Yeah, without
0: f- being distracted by the, the bling. You know, you'll see right. people with the flashy look and the nice car and all this. You say, oh, I want to be like them. But what you're really saying is I want to adorn my ego with their adornments. <laughs> Instead of figuring out where is the true sage. Mm-hmm. And usually the true sage looks like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you mm-hmm. know, hiding out in uh, Riverside, California or something <laughs> yeah. in the desert. Not you really
1: know? making a, a splash in the same right, way, Right,
0: right. Like who, yeah, who's the most important person? Is, is often going to be that person that doesn't care about looking important.
1: And, and think of in your life, you know, what mentors have you had? What people have made a difference? And and what sorts of things informed their life and and their ability to have that impact on you, you know? And it's that kind of stuff. So we do want the wisdom that we can get from those, you know, the other people that we, we have around us. Uh,
0: we have, we have Stacy has usually uh, been very good at kind of pulling me back from, you know, being a, a attack dog on cults and individuals and stuff. You know, we try to speak more in generalities, not out of fear, but so that you can hear the principle and apply it. You right. know, if you're a partisan, I understand. If you're you're loving Stacy and Jeff's concepts, and all of a sudden I just stepped on one of your sacred cows, known as Robbie Zacharias Ministries or something, and you think, oh, now I can't, now I don't like them because they've they've. I think that was an important piece, just because I wanted to talk about how Jordan. Cooper was able to, you know, go against what a lot of other pastors mm-hmm. on YouTube mm-hmm. were saying. And, and, and then people started attacking him, mm-hmm. you know, and then they were saying, well, you're, you're, like, they started libeling him, saying he was a pedophile and all this stuff. Um, it, so, it, but what, what, but what overcomes that is not being afraid. But I will say that uh, I want to just pick on one more person, and that is the Joel Osteens of the world. Okay, now now go with me on this. A lot of people are lost. They're looking for wisdom. They're looking for the Tao. And they might use a different word for the Tao, but they're looking for the Tao. Mm -hmm. And one of the people in in America that purports to have the Tao is Joel Osteen. Mm. And he has a nice smile and a great big church and perfectly curly hair and nice cars. He is trusted by people not because of what he says, but because they want to be him,
2: mm.
0: or they want to have the things that he has, the popularity and the success that he has.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What I think this chapter shows us is that often the people that you really should be listening to are humbler.
2: Mm.
0: Not because there's anything necessarily inherent in having not nice things, but the question is, what did that guy sacrifice for the sake of the mm. truth? Mm you know mm-hmm. like the guy who's hustling the reason that i'm put off by the wealth isn't that i'm jealous it's that if you really are following jesus and you're that rich then there's like or you or you or if you're purporting to follow jesus but you're that rich mm-hmm. in the sense that you're rich because of this ministry that you've created mm-hmm. then now i'm worried that you're working for mammon rather than the radical way of yeshua you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's just to me if you're a, if you're a rich and celebrity type pastor like Justin Bieber's pastor like whatever the reason you're you're not to be trusted is because to get there Usually is going to require some nefarious
1: um, well, and definitely on compromising, the, on the backs of. of other people, yeah. you know taking advantage of certain you know situations or circumstances
0: how am I going to bring my ego low how am i going to bat- how am I going to drown the old Adam as the Lutherans say, if the person who's running the show has the biggest ego in the room mm-hmm. you know i mean that's just you know, and I will say and this is a, it, it like say Lutheranville. Luther, but it doesn't matter whether you're conservative or, or liberal. Like, for some reason, this little world in America known as Lutheranism has got a lot of people trying to claw their way to the top. Mm. I mean, you'd think that that'd be like a Roman Catholic game. You know. <laughs>
2: to you be know. the Pope, but
0: right? Like, yeah, Plime yeah. To so be like, the Pope. Exactly, exactly. So like but no, like we you know, we the Protestants think we're not very hierarchical, but oh man, whether it's social media, I'm the king of, you know, the reformed social media world or whatever. Right. Um that's a bad sign. Now I would say, since we do it a lot, like self promoting or or like being um being savvy by getting the word out isn't a problem. so in other words, there are people that are very successful on, on Twitter and and other, you know, YouTube that really help a lot of people and they often will, like, kind of to be able to have that business, they've got to be able to, on multiple platforms to keep promoting their business.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What else are you going to do? You know, you, you're trying to sell a lemonade. You right. put up a sign. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be, be able to promote their stuff. I'm saying that what are they promoting and what what is the emphasis? Is it this? Is it this message that they're infatuated with, or is it a way um, that they're selling you? Like I'm selling you this way. The Tao cannot be sold. Right, do you see what I'm saying, like right. like there's this secret you know anytime you get some guru or some pastor who's like, this is like the special you know I got this special technique hmm. that's the charlatan that we've had since the dawn of time, that's Simon Magus, hmm. you know, somebody who's going to try to 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 make a business,
2: right
0: you know, as Saint Paul says, you should not muzzle the ox, you know, so you should be able church workers yoga teachers, gurus, whatever, sure, like, you gotta make money, that's fine. Right, right. But, but when you get, like, the Rajneeshis and the and the dudes got private jets, or the televangelists that get the private jets, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and you think that's somebody to trust, I'm just saying, I don't even have to piss you off, friends, if you just are mad at me, because I'm pissing well, off Pastor Bob.
1: And a lot of times, those televangelists <laughs> are guilting you, you into parting with your money yeah. so that you have a spot in heaven. Yeah,
0: to give yeah. give them the money if you want friends, but we're just telling you it's not in your best interest.
1: As well as you don't need to part with that money to get your spot <laughs> in heaven, you know, anyway.
0: Well, not
1: in that way. Not in that way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I see what you're saying. Yeah. This brings us I think to chapter 16, which really is a huge chapter that really kind of spells all of this out. Oh yeah. And it's it's a it's a big chapter. So, chapter 16. Empty yourself, embrace peace upon peace. The galaxies blast out from the center of the cosmos. Await their fall back to the center. Living things sprout forth and then return to the soil. Returning to the soil brings rest and peace. Peace is returning to our true self. Returning to our true self is to be steadfast being steadfast brings utter clarity wavering brings delusion and catastrophe being steadfast involves facing reality facing reality is being unbiased being unbiased grants power over oneself having power over oneself is heavenly To be heavenly is to surf the Tao. The Tao is everlasting. This is dying to your false ego and letting your true self emerge unscathed.
0: I love that one. I mean, that one was so fun to do. It was so fun to think about. Mm -hmm. The galaxies blast out from the center. It's like this uh, firework. You know, it's the Big Bang, but it's like a a mystical meditation on the Big Bang, you know, um, at least as we've. Kind of tinkered into it. Now, I, I was I was kind of concerned, and I want to talk about this first line: "Empty yourself." Yeah. And then at the end, letting your true self emerge. I worry sometimes if people hear that that they would say, "Empty myself" means to kind of give up on my own agency or like sacrifice myself for my husband or my right. job or something else. What do you? What well, do you? And, hear? and like
1: and like you had mentioned that perhaps maybe exhale
0: yeah, exhale you know, would be
1: which is exactly what I was thinking. You know when I was yeah. going through this chapter and really you know pondering it or, was, or poop it out <laughs> was empty yourself it's that it reminds me you know when i'm when i 'm teaching yoga and I start off and, you know take a you know a big inhale and then hold it and then exhale mm-hmm. and exhale all of it out. you notice that
0: <sighs> what if we said, let it all go,
1: so the only thing. So let it all go is, is close. Uh, but what I really empty yourself reminds me of, you know, how do we, how do we get to be unbiased? I see. It's, it's emptying ourselves mm. of all of these preconceived ideas and these things. It's like just sort of for at least for a second, let all these layers come, mm. come off.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And then what's left. What's left there is the is the true self. What's yeah. left is that unbiased place.
0: But it might look like it's nothing, but it's something. It's consciousness. It's your soul. It's the the you. Right. <laughs> okay.
1: And it's from it's from there. Oh. That once so if again, you empty yourself, we rebuild.
0: If you empty yourself, who's left?
1: that's the true self self. yeah yeah i
0: shouldn't empty myself no right what we think is i've got i'm this housewife that is worried about looking as good as the other people here in newport beach and so i gotta like worry about getting like the face surgery and stuff and like i'm so desperate and so i see that as the person who's emptied themselves their inner in other words they Mm. like they sacrifice their soul for Mm. looking good for their rich husband that's cruel to them mm, mm-hmm. instead letting go of what the cruel husband says emptying yourself of of all that um, is where that person can return and say hey wait a minute you know kid i'm not gonna put up with this life that you're
1: handing right me. i mean yeah. think about it we start out as as children and we have you know this i don't know there's a lot of of fun that we can just be and explore. And then yeah. we learn more and more and we put more and more of these layers and things on top of us. But it is us.
0: kind of like, you know, let it go. Let it. it is. So, but I think
1: the other thing too is... And in
0: that freedom, in the sense you could dance.
1: But it's setting the yep. stage that there's a cycle. Yep. We are constantly... Building and unbuilding.
0: Because, yeah, you let yourself go, you empty yourself, but then you're also going to breathe in again. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so, but then you, you know, and that's what this whole, this whole little first chunk is that sort makes of. sense. It's setting the stage of this, of, that there's a cycle that happens. You know, it, it blasts out from the cosmos and then, it, you know, await the fall back to the center. Then the next little chunk is talking about, you know, living things sprout forth and they return to the soil. So it, it's going in more detail now of what's happening with these cycles and it's giving right. it's giving more um you know hard description on yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, we sort of toyed with returning to the soil brings rest and peace, you know, with the, the rest and peace language. Yeah. But it's back to that point. It says peace is returning to our true self. Yeah. So it's when we you know, when when you're once we die, like all of that, all of the false ego, all of what really isn't us, is shed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We, and that is where the peace is. Yeah. And then, you know, basically, returning to our true self is to be steadfast, and steadfast brings out our clarity, the yeah. most clear vision. The the you know what I'm saying the yeah. is is through that lens of all of that. All those biases gone, all of you know, the like I said, the layers and everything, and then you can then you see it. And mm. it's so much more simpler. Yeah. <laughs> you know, going back to the 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 previous chapter that we had talked about. Uh then I think the the third part here, it says wavering brings delusion and catastrophe. That reminds me of we were recently watching The Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you, any of you have watched it, but I definitely highly suggest it. We we pretty much binged through it in a in a few days. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and our our youngest, and also appreciated it with us. But there's a part in there where uh, Benny Watts, who he's he's this you know this chess player that's really good, kind of sort of has more of the the cowboy mentality in the whole chess world, and there's Beth Harmon who she's the main character and you know she starts out as a child and she's basically this like mastermind of you know chess she's like just this amazing player and even though there's playing they play chess throughout the whole thing it's not like it gets into the details of the chess playing so but it is it is a you know it's a fascinating little mini series we really appreciated it yeah but Benny Watts tells Beth Harmon that when he's playing against somebody and they waver on their first move, he knows that he's already going to be able to beat them. Mm. He already senses their, their fear and their unsureness in their, in their playing. And he knows then that they're vulnerable somewhere and there'll be a way for him to come in and he'll be able to win the game. Now the person that acts with assurance and You know, it's like, makes you think like, hmm, what are they planning here? And even if you know the next move and things like that, but they're doing it with, you know, this preciseness and with this determination, then even if you know you've got this person beat, it makes you think, hmm, what do I not know? (laughs) Right? Why are they, why do they have so much assurance? Right. And... And then they're now the one that has to kind of second guess everything.
0: Well, there's so many layers to why that that's such a good move, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know.
1: And and so it was just made yeah. that when I saw that line, wavering brings delusion and catastrophe. Yeah. That that little you know play in that that show that we are watching just brought that all to life. It's, what's
0: what's the chapter that what, what do we call the chapter in the lessons uh, in the Protect Your Noggin with Jesus study where we talk about being ready you know don't set down to build a building that you're not able to afford to complete
1: Mm, let's count the cost count the
0: cost or but that's what i forget what it's called (laughs) but the but the that's the idea where jesus says if you're going to go out to war don't go partially Mm -hmm. that's going to everyone that there's going to be death Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're if you're going to build a house you know you've got to figure out what this thing's going to cost or else you're going to, you're going to just going to be a laughing stock. There's mm-hmm. going to be a, there's going to be a fiasco. But what this means is in, in the case for him is like, if you're going to follow his way, then, uh, and then you stop, you turn around halfway. It's, it's better that you didn't start the way of Jesus. It's, and this is true in some right. ways. If you want to surf the Dow, you better be getting the water friends. You can't partially surf the Dow. It'll actually make you angry. And in fact, in our lives, it's, there was a, a, a good period of time where we would, I think we were angry and frustrated. It was easier to self-medicate and just worry about your job and everything that people told us we were supposed to be doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That was easier on our relationship. Mm-hmm. Because you just, I mean, it sucked. It wasn't life-giving, but it was just like, it was easier on the day-to-day level. When you get to the point where you know what you should be doing, mm. you know the way the world is, then you feel more offended by the other person by having the wrong values. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you both agree are the wrong values. And the, uh, the, the hypocrisy that you feel when you, you know, get, get slave-made sodas at Walmart or something, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it worse sometimes to know the truth.
1: Yeah, it does. It
0: feels difficult at times. Now you can get, you get beyond that, you know, but Mm -hmm. it is, it is something to be aware of.
1: Right. Well, and I would say that it's interesting because I know from my own self and, you know, and, and just thinking through, you know, we don't, we don't have this all figured out. We're not, we're not living this perfectly either. And I know that.
0: But we see it clear as day.
1: I see it, and I also here is one of the things too that. So my first inclination sometimes is just, or especially was frustration when when I see it so clearly and others can't, and I just Mm. it's and it 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 can run the risk of being that self righteousness that that self righteous indignation, right? Yeah, and it's only when that's when I realize that I'm I'm. Only sort of at the tip of the iceberg of my own uh, faults that i I have more inner work to do to figure out you know where i am still missing where i 've missed the mark right where mm. i 've you know there's there 's such a like a depth to that, and in fact, there was even somebody that that I heard saying that. I think it was actually Duncan Trussell that he said that it was a certain point at which these negative thoughts would pop into his mind and he'd be like, why am I thinking that? And feeling like he was going backwards, right? Yeah. But you, sometimes that happens when you actually are going forward that you, then these, this negativity pops in, but it's another opportunity for you to look and examine that. And then again, that repentance, that turning away from it and Mm. realizing, you know, that, oh, okay. So that, that still exists in me, you know, that's, it's possible that, you know, it could be that dark, right? Yeah. And it's then that you can start to look with you know, look on people with compassion rather than judgment. Yeah. And move away from that self-righteousness because you know the the depth of your own darkness.
2: Mm.
1: And that when you you can also see other people struggling and you know how how what a dark place that is. You know the sadness that's there, the lack of peace, the, you know, or, in the, you know, whatever it is. But you know the struggle, the inner struggle that has yeah. to be there when when you see the, outwards, the outward expression of it. And you know that this person doesn't have peace. You know that they're struggling. They don't even have to tell you, you right. know. But, you know, you just, it's that, that ability then to then be able to have compassion and then say, you know... I mean, hopefully, you know, someday they will be able to, you know, see it themselves Mm. or find a way to, you know, extract themselves from some of that struggle. And, you know, it's not like, you know, there, I mean, I guess there may be, you know, some people that can just like, bam, you know, and I'm going to change everything and I'm going to do this and this, but usually it's a much longer process. (laughs) For me, that's, been you know layer by yeah. layer by peeling layer it peeling, like peeling it all off and it takes a lot of work
0: and tears like a the lot
1: onion. of time <laughs> and yeah i mean there can be a lot of tears and things like that but the that peace and that joy that does come on the other side is such a better place to be in you know mm. anyway um uh, Sorry, I just kind of went on a little
0: That's what we do, baby. <laughs> That's my <laughs> favorite part there. of doing a podcast with you.
1: And then it says so facing reality is being unbiased. And so we've we've mentioned that before, but yeah. we are there we are blinded to so there's so much that we just you know whether we've just absorbed, we've just owned throughout our lives or whatever and it is really hard to peel those layers off those those you know all of our biases and and get to the root you know what and and be able just to face truth and fact for what it is right so but that but it it does that's what facing reality is, is is dropping away all of those biases yeah and then when you can do that then it says it being unbiased grants power over oneself when you finally understand that the way that you were acting was because of some of these biases that you had, Mm -hmm. you're not in control at this point. Now you're just a a follower of an idea or another person or something else by kind of blindly, you know, carrying something forward that, I mean, who knows where you even picked it up, right? Yeah. But once you are able to now stop and see it and recognize that that is a bias, because I mean, it's almost impossible to not be i mean i think it is impossible to be completely unbiased but we can get closer and that so it's a a, you know it's a sorry excuse just to say oh well it's impossible so i'm not gonna try
0: because that's a thing that's a thing because it
1: really is difficult
0: no i mean i think i think i want to go stick with that for just a second like well we're all sinners so you know that, so
1: why try? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean,
0: or uh, we're all sinners. So that pastor, yeah, I mean, he may have been creepy, but you know, like there, there's a way in which
1: it's dismissive. It's just dis-
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, of and, what the, what yeah. really
1: could be healed?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it, it, the peace that you can find on this side of our lives. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. so much time where we sometimes will just you know dismiss and say oh well you know ultimately once i get into heaven everything'll be okay mm. you know that i will be made you know pure and and every you know that's that's when it's all all going to work out right yeah the sort of the delusion in that though is you're missing out on so much more peace that you can have on this side of of life and this while i mean while we're living. (laughs) Why, why wait for death before we feel like it'll all get resolved. Right. Yeah. And then in the meantime, you know, we kind of continue to live in this self-made hell. Yep. So I I, I just think that that ability to then learn how we can strip away some of, some of these biases and then get that power back over ourselves, And so Mm. that we, you know, it's kind of like that where you can do the, the waking up, you know, and, and this is having power over oneself is heavenly,
0: Stacy. What are the what are the things then when you get to this? Yeah, I get you. I want to face all this, but it is really hard. it's hard for me to think about getting my blood taken. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't get my blood taken. There's there's some there's some things I should go. I want to go to the doctor. Yeah, but I'm so scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so when I think about death, I'm not just thinking about like my mortality. I think a lot of people are scared of both their mortality and physical death. Yeah. Um, And then there's a lot of people that are okay with not existing, or at least to some extent they've come to terms with it, but it is the letting go of their bodies and and seeing it all kind of come apart that becomes horrific. In other words, we we don't freak out that your great-grandma no longer lives. Mm -hmm. There, There gets to be a point where we can kind of cope with that. But seeing the bones of your great-grandmother mm. would be hard. Mm-hmm. And here we live in Irvine, one of the few cities I've ever been where I don't think we have a graveyard. Yeah. But we've lived, you know, one of our most romantic places was a graveyard in uh, the north of Oxford. <laughs> you know, we'd hang out there in the park at night yeah. with our beers that we snuck out of the, uh, the friends. We're not thieves. Okay. <laughs> we put the glasses back the next day, but the problem is we would get confused bars sometimes would close they close at ten thirty. it was like a sunday so because of jesus normally we could stay out till midnight but now it's 10 30 i didn't know and well, then me and my buddy chris we got we both we both went to get one last round when it was the last call for alcohol
1: not realizing that the other one did but in england
0: same. at the time you couldn't you had to spend a, a lot of money on your pe- on your card to use it at the bar because most of the time it's cash only so we ran out of cash so, I got eight beers, he got eight beers, and I think there were four of us, you know. And, yeah. and so, we, we had a last call, and we had to take them with us. We went in, in, into the, the wonderful, beautiful moonlight. But what were we sitting on? We were sitting on these, these sarcophagi. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Same thing, you go on tours in, uh, in New Orleans. But for most, you know, affluent Southern California people, we are not just, we're horrified by seeing it go. I think that's what it is. So your rich great-grandma as a concept is okay, but seeing the things stripped from us, I think takes us back to the beginning of this chapter. Empty yourself. Yeah. Help me, mama. Yeah. <laughs> you, death doula, help me to figure out what do I think about? Just maybe.
1: Right. Well, one of the things is, one of the biggest things that ever stops us from doing what, Either we know we should or to start to even take the steps in the right direction is our fear. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's being afraid of, you know, we sometimes think that if we lose this one thing or whatever, that the whole, our whole universe will come apart. And so being able, so we live a life running away from what we fear, right? hmm So, if you're able to face whatever, whatever each person has, they have different, people have different fears, but be honest with what your particular fears are, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And then face that, confront it, and then help that inform whatever you need to do in this life to be able then to make peace with that. So with that that you can actually stare down the reality. It's with that that you can start moving steps forward to find that, the healing. And so, so, and and then there's also just the the practical piece of preparations for, for just getting ready for death, right? What, what sorts of things do we need to take care of? We aren't bringing our bodies with us. You know, like you said, the bones are going to be here on earth, right? We're not.
0: Until they hit absolute zero, (laughs) just like a small hum of, of molecules disintegrated.
1: We're not, (laughs) we're not bringing (laughs) our houses and our cars and I mean, that stuff is pretty obvious, right? Like, you know, we're not, we're not bringing all of that with us. And so whatever it is that we need to do to start to be okay with letting these things go. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that people often say uh, over and over again or that we, you know we, we hear from those that are dying is that when especially when when death is getting closer that they will see other loved ones that have gone before them yeah and those sometimes those dreams sometimes you know sometimes it could be dreams sometimes it's even when they seem awake and they are saying that that person is in the room
0: i was talking about this with dr uh, schultz jack schultz here on campus right before halloween we were talking about uh, uh, the kind of ghost stories and he and I uh, often will be asked to come out and, and talk about this around uh, Halloween because we have the weird ones cuz he used to work with uh mm. you know native american shamans and mm-hmm. things and, um But that's what he was saying. He says, what is normal? So, we call it paranormal. Mm. But for the people he works with, the Native Americans that are in his life, it's totally normal. Shape-shifting and invisibility spells and so forth. But anyway, we both had talked about how the most common stories that we knew are the stories from students uh, that had seen. Like Julie Reekert back in Mm -hmm. Artesia or whatever. And it was just like, well, you know, hey, church worker, this is weird. I saw my grandma on the way out, you know, and... Uh, and that that's such a common theme. Sometimes mm-hmm. people in hospitals will say there's like almost like these little conduits into the other world, and they don't want to start out <laughs> believing that at first. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, but e- either way, it's, well, it's and interesting. It, and
1: it's interesting, especially if you know it's one thing if we could if we could sort of pass it off as a dream, us that you know are, are there, the loved ones around or whatever they 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 seem to, or you know if it is. In, you know, happens more in a dreamlike state. Then we can even deal with that a little bit more. It's often scariest for some folks to think that when they say, "Oh, grandma's in the room," yeah, that all of a sudden like jars us. Isn't right? it
0: weird how that's scary?
1: And yeah, but why is that scary? You know, it's interesting. But
0: and it, C.S. Lewis said it's because
1: it's the unknown. It's, it's the fear yeah, of what not, is that?
0: It's not what they can do to us, but it, it shakes our reality. Mm-hmm. And what is that? Shaking of a reality. When the truth reveals itself, it's yeah. fear. And then so we ignore it. We did not. We then put, we like, well, put the know? covers over your head. Now it's not real. Now, friends, a couple of things. Don't be too worried about some of these things. Okay? Yeah. Don't get all spooked out. Uh, often when you think you got a demon on your chest at night, like our daughter-in-law does, uh, it either is a demon or it's very often, what it, this is a sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. It's a manifestation. It's one of the most common things. But I hope that if you're listening to this, you're not saying, oh, okay. The only way that I can face mortality is by believing in these questionable stories about ghosts or people that had near death experiences and all that. We're not saying that. And, and, I, and I can guarantee you that I, that I do this even with Christian students in a Christian context. As I've said before on the show, one of the things I think is really helpful for my students that are kind of worrying about the afterlife mm-hmm. is I tell them, go home, go home and hang out for the weekend And assume that there is no afterlife. Let go of that and see how it reorients the things that you do, the choices you make.
1: And that honestly was one of... the joy that you have. When I did that exercise, it was really powerful in my own life. And I realized, oh, I am holding on. This is... Even that was enough for me to realize how many things I was living my life in a certain way. Because I just assumed... That reality. Now, like you said, you can have it back at the end, yeah, right? Yeah, you can, you can come so back. So it's not, it's not yeah. about giving it up forever, but just, to, just that helped me to like then see a whole different perspective of how that simple belief that I totally had mm-hmm. was informing and causing certain behaviors in myself.
0: Hey kids, take, take a Bible. If you've got a Bible nearby, most of you, it's, it's on your phone. Okay, but if you have a Bible nearby, stick your finger in the New Testament, Old Testament divide. right? So go to the Matthew, Book of Matthew, stick your finger there, and then, then then, kind of close it up and feel what that feels like. The fat part almost never talks about the afterlife. It's just not a concern. And there's even some places in the Psalms or in Ecclesiastes where it kind of suggests like, well, I don't know, what, are we just like, just like animals, we just turn to dust. And then they just leave it, mm-hmm. and you think as a Christian kid growing up, like what well, they fa- they they what is the Old Testament all about? Just facing death and concern for your legacy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like what did you do on this earth? Now, then in the New Testament, it's not expl- it's not exclusively about the afterlife either. Mm-hmm. It's in there uh, a lot of Jesus's teachings, like on the Sermon on the Mount, are not about the afterlife, right? So, like that's the that's the core of some of that. But I'm not worried. Let's just leave that aside. But, but if you think of it in terms of the way the Christians have talked about I think C.S. Lewis also said this, he said, uh, uh, oh gosh, many people have said this, that God first teaches his people in the Hebrew Bible to create a just society and to heal the world. Yeah. And then, from the Christian perspective, then there's this stuff added on, mm-hmm. you know, and so some of the Sadducees are saying, Jesus, you believe in this afterlife, that's, that's, that's stupid, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems very clear. Even if you don't believe that Jesus was God, maybe you believe that uh, Jesus was a, uh, a teacher of great wisdom. And and we definitely believe that no matter who you are, you should, I think, take very seriously what he says. I'd say, like, the, the Tao Te Ching is just jam-packed with truth that you need. And you don't have to become a Taoist to love right, it. Right. And Jesus is filled with truth that you need. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to become a Christian to, to heed what he says and, and actually benefit from what he says. But here's the thing. Uh, there is a difference, and that is that the Buddhists and the Taoists don't have a lot to say about the afterlife altogether. But neither did the like you know did the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. So really, it's um, it, it's sometimes people think in the West that the the most important thing about spirituality and religion is this belief in the afterlife and punishment and reward. And it's the punishment and reward that you need to let go of, friends. Right. Like that's. That's getting in your way. And every time a religion fixates on that, it becomes less ethical. That's mm. the weird thing, yeah. you know? Okay. It becomes more toxic, more problematic, more dangerous, more violent.
1: Well, and it op- often dismisses any of the injustices that are happening because all will be okay later on. And or guess, yeah. And that this world isn't supposed to be perfect, but, or it isn't, you know, isn't ever going to be perfect.
0: But, baby, you know what I found? What? Is that not only are sometimes those the most obnoxious type spiritual people, religious people, fixated in the afterlife— they are the people that I don't trust because they are terrified of death. Now, I want to ask you, friends, if you have a spiritual teacher that is terrified of death,
2: oh,
1: yeah.
0: you can love them, you can go fishing with them, you can buy them a beer, you can thank them for the, the soup kitchen and that they put And they might have together. a couple
1: things that help your life a little bit.
0: And if you're a pastor and you're like, oh, I feel convicted there because I'm terrified of death, I am telling you that you're probably misguided about reality. I'm I'm telling you this is me to you, my heart to your head as best I can give it. You prob some of you think I'm just if you're I'm talking to the Christian pastors now, okay? Christian teachers and stuff. I know I'm such an unruly child. Okay? I don't cut my hair, I'm wearing the ragged jean shorts. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to behave myself, okay? And uh, I know that sometimes I say things that you think are a little too off the wall, maybe not like the way I'm supposed to say it, or, you know, I'm a little edgy, and maybe you're mad at me about the the idea that I think the earth is getting hot. (laughs) But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you right now, if you're in that state where you're just terrified of the afterlife, like that's what your motivation is, you're on the wrong bus. (sighs) Come, come. Come over to our side. There is something so beautiful. There is something so beautiful.
1: Shoot us an email. Yeah, I don't we know. We can oh, work man. it
0: out. I mean, but, so I, you don't go quit tomorrow if you're scared, okay? Let's keep talking this out. But if you're scared, slow it down with the way you're putting the heavy on people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And also, second guess whether your theology is right. I mean, look. It's possible that the God up in heaven that you find so terrifying and horrifying and frightening to behold, frightening to go visit, you know, so this afterlife that that scares you, hell that scares you and you're a pastor, you know, I know you're there. There's so many of you that are there and I'm asking you, why do you worship at that altar? What's the point? If you as a pastor cannot find solace and peace upon peace in your version of religion, then you're in a living hell. And you're putting yourself there because somebody put this virus in your brain that you should be afraid. And because you are infinitely afraid, you are blinding yourself to joy and peace and beauty and Jesus and the Tao and the brightness that is your birthright. Who deluded you? Who made you so scared and sad and worried? Do not worry, says our Lord. <laughs> and you're so worried. I'm sorry. Okay.
1: There's another. But- <laughs> there's another. I don't know the 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 number of the chapter, but in the Tao Te there's another chapter that talks about how people can control you when you fear death because yeah. the avoidance of death will cause us to do many things. Yeah, And if you, that's if you fear it. They have a power over you mm-hmm. so that you can avoid your death. So mm-hmm. the commercials Oh, they make, got you good. The commercials make sense for the vitamins that will yeah. keep you, the exercise equipment that will keep you, you know, living longer. The... You know the different medicines that you can take, the lifestyle you can have, the you know the the money that you need to make so that you can have you know food on the table and all of these things. And, and there we do need to live. But my point is, is that when you fear death, yeah, others can manipulate and control you because you think that that's the key. Bingo. To not you know. Like, to, to, to living, right? Yeah. But instead, you're not actually living, you're just running away you, from death.
0: They stole your 80 years on this planet through a shell game of fear. Yeah. You want to know how to outfox religious wolves? Let go of fear and they cannot touch you. Right. And go back now to the last part of this chapter. Are we saying then that you can't have eternity dying to yourself, dying to think, dying to the afterlife? Do I lose? Do I lose it? No. What's it? What's that last line?
1: No, it says having power over oneself is heavenly to be heavenly is to serve the Tao. The Tao is everlasting. This is dying to your false ego and letting your true self emerge unscathed
0: when all that stuff gets chopped off the things you still think of yourself what's left. That's why we got to the top. I said, empty yourself. I don't like that. I don't want to empty myself. That seems like I'm telling people to become, you know, Stepford Wise. wives and let go.
1: And I'm like, letting go is not not, strong enough." enough.
0: It's let it all let like the leaves blow away in the fall to the point where it gets darker and darker and darker and darker. And then at the winter solstice, the light starts flickering back and it comes back, but you can't really get there in joy. I'm just saying, like you, you can't. the Luther said, "You can't find heaven unless you fi- you experience being damned."
2: Hmm.
0: Like lay it, lay your whole self down. Well, and why do lay you lay it all down?
1: And why do you think like it, normally the, the the biggest times that people have the most monumental changes in their life is when they are at rock bottom, when they have lost yes. everything. And they then are, breathe in and get it back. They are brought down. Yeah. Whether, I mean, sometimes it happens of our own choosing. Most of the time, it has something, it has nothing to do with us, and it's completely out of our control. And for whatever reason, we've lost control to the point of having nothing. And it's when you have absolutely nothing that you can finally.
0: Yeah. Who's the you there? Yeah. When you give up all those false things, who's the you there? Welcome to you. Hello. Kid, rise and shine. Time to be born (laughs) again. And when you're born again,
1: that's when you can find that deep peace upon peace, friends. Uh, Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends.
2: But he said there wasn't any letter. He said that was going out of my mind. Not
0: going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? That's because you found this letter no too much.